What is good, guys? Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as our reaction and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chun, along with Kaden Mutamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. To the NFL wildcard, so many unbelievable games that happened, so many surprises. Let's start with the first one that has been on the minds of everyone, the Chargers and the Jaguars, with the Chargers blowing a 27-0 lead, resulting in a Jaguars win at the buzzer, thanks to a game-winning field goal from the Jaguars. And this Chargers collapse, Kaden, who would you blame for this collapse? Would you blame the head coach or the offense for the Los Angeles Chargers? Um... Well, the offense began by getting things done as they were up 27 to 0. I would say it's more execution of maintaining that lead and that usually falls within the coaching staff's fault. And so I I would say that this is because of the flawed coaching that has been evident within the Chargers for the past few years. They really haven't found someone to solidify this group together and Justin Herbert really gave it his all. Like he looked like he was the only one like that wanted to win that game and that thought that it, they they would have come back and guess what they did come back and so yeah it was crazy but yeah I would put the blame on the coaching staff for sure. The Chargers collapse can be distinguished into two categories: Brandon Staley and the offense. Brandon Staley, the head coach, blew a 27-0 lead to the Jaguars like we just talked about, and the blame for Brandon Staley goes all the way back before the wild card game in which. The best wide receiver in the deep ball, Mike Williams, fractured his back in a Week 18 matchup against the Denver Broncos, and where Staley decided to start all of his best players in a meaningless game. And without Mike Williams, we saw in the second half, their offense was very, very stale, and it was uh, pretty much Justin Herbert throwing checkdowns to the running backs and two short slant passes to Keenan Allen and other wide receivers. And first of all, speaking of Austin Eckler, he only had 13 carries in this ball game. In a game where they're up 27-0, you would expect the running back to at least have 15 to 17, maybe even 20 touches in a game where you're up by so much to run out the clock, of course. But Eckler only having 13 carries, again, falls on Brandon Staley and his play calling, which leads me to my next point. Their play calling has been horrendous in these past couple weeks. And with an arm talent like Justin Herbert and his ability to throw the long ball, I mean, that's just... Poor coaching schemes that is just poor offensive play calling. And instead of, you know, Herbert utilizing his arm talent, they instead force him to throw checkdowns. And that becomes oftentimes very un- very predictable for the defense to game plan. And time and time again, Brandon Staley fumbles the bag with this team. So many times in the regular season, they have games where they're up and they somehow lose. Or they play down to their opponents and again lose that game. Luckily for them this year, they made the playoffs. But if, you know, the Chargers never made the playoffs this year... Brandon Staley would be on the hot seat and would have been fired already. And surprising news, actually, I saw an Instagram tweet or an Instagram article, excuse me, that said the Chargers are still going to ride with Brandon Staley. It's just that, you know, Staley's going to maybe fire some people offensively or defensively in the coordinating staff. But what do you think about that? The Chargers, you know, looking to keep Brandon Staley still. I mean, it was the quarterback who did, I mean, not the quarterback, the coach who did develop Justin Herbert and... Like, I, I think he deserves some of that credit, but Justin Herbert has been just very, very on a, like, just a different level from when he entered really as a rookie, winning Offensive Rookie of the Year easily, and just solidifying records in his first season as well. We knew the talent that was coming in, and in a way, I don't know if it's right to say that he's holding Herbert back, but I think he's definitely holding this team back, and... When I say that, I like like what you mentioned, Eckler having 13 carries being a star running back, 
that can't happen in a game, especially when you're up 27-0 because you want to you want to get rid of all the time that you can. And he's exceptional with um, yards per carry as well. And so judging by just statistics, he should be getting a couple first downs at least every drive. And so just to, me- to, just to say that um, you didn't utilize him in your offense as much and you were forcing Herbert to make plays constantly, while he is such a talented quarterback, to put that much pressure on him is outrightly wrong. And going back to what you said about the Week 18 mishap or what if you want to call that out they they clinched the playoffs already and you're playing your stars in in a game that doesn't matter at all doesn't reflect anything besides maybe a win or loss in the record column you get your best option your deep your deep option in mike williams he's injured probably even if they were to make the super bowl i doubt he would have even came back had a very bad injury and just after that the kind it kind of seemed off. I don't know if you got the same vibes as well, but even when they were up that significant amount, it looked as though the Jaguars were still ha- determined to win this game, and they didn't put their heads down. And credit to the um the Jaguars uh, coaching staff because to motivate their players down twenty seven zero in the playoffs when a good majority of them have never even been there in the first place. That's something hard to do, but they executed and credit to them. I mentioned previous uh, in the previous episode that I predicted that this was going to be a close game, and it did end up being a close game. Um, I did say the Chargers were going to win. However, I I knew at heart that the Jaguars were going to fight, and that's what they did. And eventually, I, I believe this really came down to the coaching staffs on both sides. The execution was there for Jag- the Jaguars in the late game, and it just wasn't for the Chargers. Yeah, and speaking of that, I do believe Ben and Staley should be fired after this season. Just just inexcusable with you not making the playoffs in the first two years of Justin Herbert's career, and now you do make the playoffs, have a twenty-seven zero lead, and somehow you still do that away. Like for me, as a GM, as an owner, like I know you do, you did great progress on Justin Herbert, but that's just inexcusable. I don't see that. You know, with all his mishaps, I don't see him having a spot on the Chargers. But continuing off of that, though, the offense. I think was also a big factor with this uh, with the collapse of the Chargers. First of all, the offensive line gave Herbert no time in the pocket. With what I was watching in the second half, Herbert literally had about two seconds in the pocket. That's not enough time for him to make a read, and he's always scrambling out of the pocket, trying to extend the play and trying to get the drive going. And credit to him, he placed he put so many great plays on the ball, escaping the pocket, and you know just how his uh, his improvisation skills. Is so great to see, but again, his offensive line gave him no time to have his set plays and you know have him have time to look at his reads. And because of that, you know the turning point I think was that missed field goal with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter that could have put the Chargers up thirty three to twenty. But instead, that turned, you know, as we all know, an eleven point turnaround for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So again, like I said, Brandon Staley should have to go very, very, very soon. Yeah, and I did want to mention one more thing too. We saw in the first half, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions as well. I mean, Asante Samuel also grabbed three of them, but that just like, if you're putting yourselves in a position where the quarterback has thrown four interceptions and it's not even the second half, like, that's that's credit to the defense, but then it just shows how much of a turnaround that the Triagors had in order to secure this win. Trevor Lawrence threw four touchdowns to four different wide receivers. And to show the diversity within his options, that's something that just, I don't know. I don't think that any typical quarterback would be able to just trust every single one of his wide receivers to be making those plays. And 
I'm really liking what's going right now for this group with the Jaguars. And I, I don't even think really many people had them in the playoffs to begin with. So they're definitely overachieving right now. But it's not done. I wouldn't say that they're out of the running because this group looks very, very good. And the coaching staff, they're on their stuff. Definitely. And let's move on to another, I wouldn't say surprise game, but a game where I thought was a surprise to me. The Giants and the Vikings. Credit to you. You get you did get this prediction right. You did predict the Giants to win. So let's talk about it. Let's hear from you. What was your reaction from this game? Well, I said that the Giants were going to have to play an all-around game, but also Saquon Barkley would have to have a very, very good game as well. And um, credit to them. This game lived up to the potential. I mean, um, Saquon did end up getting securing two touchdowns in this game and having his imprint as well. He may not have it in the yardage, in the yardage um, aspect, but at the same time, Daniel Jones threw for two touchdowns and 300 yards, something that is and and most of all no interceptions so no miscues on this offense which is honestly I feel like a big reason why they won this game the offensive execution was there and their defense I was very impressed with their defense being able to um the lockdown I, w- I would say lockdown because this seemed like a bad game for Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen their typical one-two punch you know um TJ Hawkinson did have a fantastic game however they did ter- end up turning up short and so just I, I'm I'm so impressed, mostly with the Giants' defense because we knew their struggles throughout the season, but they they looked like they were just everywhere. Whether it was the defensive line getting to the quarterback or pressuring Kirk Cousins, or maybe even the cornerbacks and the safeties. I, I um love love played a fantastic game in the slot, guarding whoever came his way. And so yeah, credit to this defense and this offense. Um glad that they're still in because I think the Giants do have something to play for for me it was more about the Vikings defense more than the Giants offense the Vikings defense could not get a stop to save their life I mean the Giants punted only twice in the entire game and when you're 13 and 4 you're playing for not even just the NFC championship you're playing for the Super Bowl a lot of people have the Vikings as one of their Super Bowl contenders including me and this game you know it really not broken my heart but it really was just like a wow moment for me. Like this Vikings team, I thought offensively they have one of the best offenses on paper with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. I mean, those are all really great players on offense. And, you know, credit to credit to the Giants offense, man. They really scored on every single... They really used every offensive opportunity to go their way. And like I said, they play such a great game. And credit to the Giants offense, like we just talked about. Daniel Jones, 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, and most importantly, 78 rushing yards. And with his receiving court, I think he's been playing extremely well. I don't really think anybody on that Giants offense in the receiving core, I would say, is a wide receiver one. I think they're all about like wide receiver two, wide receiver three maybes. But with, da- with how great Daniel Jones has been playing, he's been making use of those wide receivers and good for them. But again, the Vikings defense... It's just horrendous. Can't yeah. even get a stop. I yeah. mean, that's just sad to see. True. And honestly, that is something that I kind of foresaw. I, I feel like I did talk about the way that I think the Giants, the, the, the excuse me, the Vikings defense was going to struggle against this overpowered running core. And we saw even in, um, I believe, week 17, when um, the Packers actually took on the Vikings, Aaron Jones along, and company, I believe, combined for over 150 yards in rushing alone. And they just torched it on all levels, whether it was like needing a stop in third down and short scenarios. And they just couldn't do anything, really. 
they couldn't stop this this the offense for Green Bay, and th- that just shows like you're show you're playing against Saquon Barkley, who's arguably better than anyone in the running back core versus the Packers, and so you were supposed to game plan for this, yet the defense still couldn't even stop him. So we'll see how this goes in the future. Um, we we were talking about this earlier in the um, season. Uh, this is a hit or miss season for the Vikings. We felt as though everything was going their way. They got the pieces that, in which they needed to do in order to contend. Kirk Cousins at the lead, we were always questioning, but we never had any thoughts about this defense, and that's really what came up short for them. So how would you go about just retooling this team from here? I honestly don't can't, give, can't really give you an answer for this one. The defense, the offense. I mean, this was, like we talked about, this was kind of their year. And I really do believe this is where the Vikings kind of go downhill. I think this is a point where I think this Vikings future is kind of doomed. I really do think one of these star players is going to request a trade. And I'm going to ask you this question a little bit later. But I do believe Justin Jefferson could be asking for his way out of Minnesota. This was definitely their year. They had all the pieces together. They brought in great free agents such as Darius Smith from the Packers. So everything should be going their way, except it didn't go their way, especially on defense. And with the first round exit, like I really do think somebody is out of there, especially that player being Justin Jefferson. So what do you think? Do you think Justin Jefferson could be out this offseason? Um, I don't know if he's going to request a trade, although I am all for him too, because I feel like we saw with Stephon Diggs, he really started to thrive once he got out of Minnesota, and that's really when his career started to take off. I mean, we've started we've started to see Justin Jefferson's career take off even in Minnesota, but with Kirk Court, Kirk Cousins at quarterback, you're just not going to succeed. And so, it it ultimately comes down to um, what he wants to play for as of right now. Does he want to win more, or does he want to go long term and kind of secure a contract? Because he still has yet to sign, I believe, an extension. And so if I'm looking at it from his perspective, he needs security, whether it's going to be for winning or for money. And that's a decision he'll ultimately need to make. I feel like in that regard, Minnesota can pay him the most. However, if you can get paid somewhat similar money and go to a team in which you can contend with, I think that he'd rather do that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, um, especially this offseason goes for not only this team, but a lot of teams, because... I feel like, I don't know, for a majority of these teams that are first-round exits and the mediocre bunch, we can see a lot of trades go down this offseason. I hate to bring up um, the situation with the Bears, but they have a huge decision to make, too. They could very well trade the first overall pick because they do have a quarterback already. And just so many moves to be made this offseason. I really think that this is going to just bring up new contenders and just see the downfall of teams like I think the Vikings could really be those downfall the the downfall right now <laughs> definitely and let's move on to another game in the wild card the Cowboys and the Buccaneers was it surprising to you that the Cowboys won this game or did you kind of expect this to happen I can't say I expected it to happen I kind of went with the Buccaneers with my take and I, I I'm also not surprised that they won though I mean you look at this defense, they really have no flaws at all, and we saw how well they played against this studded core uh, that we see in the Tampa Bay offense. And it's just, like it really came down to could they stop the offense and, um, for the Vikings? I mean, not the Vikings, the Cowboys. Um, and they couldn't. 
uh, Dak Prescott really looked like he was doing whatever he wanted on that field. And regardless of um, his options, he just he was in his own to to be front with you. And when you're when you're clicking like that with your teammates, there's just it's really hard to stop you. And so uh, credit to Dak Prescott, really, because I feel like he was a good reason why they won that game. Definitely. For me, it was a surprise in the fact that the Buccaneers played so bad against the Cowboys. That was the most surprising part of anything. But for me, though, this might, you know, trigger some people. But I think the Cowboys are too inconsistent to continue this level of play. But, hey, look, if the Cowboys do play like this, how they played against the Buccaneers, they could really go far. And that game really showed the potential of this team. Again, credit to Dak Prescott. He shut the haters up with 305 passing yards and five total touchdowns. Incredible from Dak Prescott. You know, feeding all of his wide receivers. Dalton Schultz had two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had a solid game as well. And the Cowboys' defense is literally for real. They are, they've shown what they can be. And they held Brady to only 53% of his passes completed. So, for me, though, it's not what the Cowboys are in lack of. Or it's not what the Cowboys need to improve on anything. It's if the Cowboys can consistently play at the level that they can play. And with that, I do think the Cowboys can really make it far into the playoffs. But we'll have to see next game if they... You know, play like how they play against the Bucks, or if they play against the Commanders. There's those are two different teams, and whichever team comes up in the next game against, I believe, the uh, 49ers, which is a very tall task. You know, it's it's really going to determine who wins. It depends on which Cowboys team that shows up against the 49ers. I I think that the Cowboys really like haven't missed with their defense, but that the most like eminent thing that they've struggled with I think I feel like throughout the entire season they started off very very slowly and then eventually became good and then kind of more consistent but again still had like questionable losses at some point so um the Cowboys overall in order to beat the Niners in their next game they're gonna have to have all their stuff sorted out like there's gonna be no room for error playing against the juggernaut of the offense and their juggernaut of a defense and so you're just going to have to try and limit the quarterback and try to get into Brock Purdy's kind of like head along with just like area space, literally. And so um, it, it, it's a tough matchup for sure. But if they were to come out on top, I would say that Dak Prescott thrives and the defensive line was really focused on slowing down Brock Purdy. And that's the reason that they lose. And so if I'm the coaching staff, I just have to throw all cylinders at him in hopes to somehow slow down that offense. Because, again, you score points on offense. No matter how good the defense is for the 49ers, if they're not turning it into points, that's a positive for you. So as long as you limit both the offense and the defense from potentially having a big enough impact to affect this game, that's the way to win for the Cowboys. Definitely. Let's move on to the Bucks, though. Do you think this is Tom Brady's last game in the Bucks uniform, or do you think he's going to stay next year? Now, this is interesting. I do think that this is Tom Brady's last game in a Bucks uniform. However, I will not be surprised if Tom Brady decides to take his talents to a different team to try and maybe, I don't know, for a year out with a team that needs a quarterback. However, I don't know as of right now if any teams are built for contention with the um, possibility of it, given that they don't have a quarterback right now, and that's the gluing piece together. So when he entered the picture in... Um, Tampa Bay, he was really set with a team that had a star-studded defense along with um, a various amount of weapons on the offensive playing field as well. And so that's what really thrived and eventually got him to win the championship in 2020. 
And so to return to that type of form, it'll be hard. And I honestly don't think that Tom Brady will even make the playoffs no matter where he goes next season. I, I think that he should retire right now, but again, he's he's still able to play and it's it's a shock. Like he's about to turn forty six and he's still able to play the game of football at at a position in which takes a, a decent amount of contact too. So it'll be interesting to see his decision. My guess though is that he definitely doesn't play in a Tampa Bay uniform. He may play in a different team's uniform, but I think he should retire. I think it's time to call it quits, Tom. <laughs> I mean, even as a player, right, I don't think Tom Brady himself, the GOAT himself, wants to go out in a way that's been miserable. Finish as, I think, sub- like an, I would say a subpar record, losing first round. I don't think that's his definition of going out with a bang. So I think Tom Brady's still going to play. And for me, though, it's interesting because I do think Tom Brady should stay in the Bucks uniform. You have all the great pieces around you. You have a great defense. Um, you have a great wide receiving core, great running backs. It's hard for me to see Tom Brady leaving, but with how bad the season is, I'm not going to be surprised if he, you know, takes off the Bucks, the Bucks uniform, goes to maybe the Raiders or the Dolphins. Those are some names that have been tossed around. Maybe even San Francisco back to his hometown. But... For me, it's about the coaching staff, and I think they retooled that coaching staff and make it seem like how they were in the 2020-2021, uh, the where they played extremely well. I do think, you know, I I think that the Bucks have a great chance of coming back next year and potentially winning a Super Bowl, but as of now, we'll have to see where Tom Brady takes his talents. Let's look a little bit into the divisional round and start with a good one, the Bengals and the Bills. Who do you think is going to win that matchup? Okay, now, this is very, very tough. Um, my Super Bowl picks before the playoffs started were the, for the Bills to play the 49ers. However, after seeing the Bills struggle <laughs> to a Skylar Thompson-led Dolphins team and only be able to come out on top by three points, it kind of gets you to question whether the Bills are built to last throughout these playoffs. And I mean, we know how good their team is. They also have something to play for with the Tomar Hamlin situation. However, in reality, the Cincinnati Bengals have everything figured out at the right time. And um we saw we we saw them play a Tyler Huntley led um Ravens team and at first it looked like they were struggling. I'm not going to lie, but eventually in the second half they just started to take over possession after possession and that's something that we didn't see in the Bills game. So, I mean, I although I had the Bills to initially make the Super Bowl, I'm going to have to change my pick and I think that the Bengals are actually going to take on the Bills and come out on top. And it's going to be a her- in heroic fashion too. I believe that there's going to be a game winner in this. For me, it comes down to Josh Allen and his play. If he could really limit down his turnovers to only one interception at the most, I like the Bills' chances of winning. However, if he turns the ball over two times or even more, I do think the Bengals are going to win this game. It's hard for me to say the Buffalo Bills are going to win when Josh Allen turns the ball over with his amount that he's been giving up the ball. It's really you know, questioning my prediction of the Bills winning the Super Bowl this year but like I said it really does come down to if Josh Allen can protect the ball and keep the ball away from the defense and if he can I do have the Bills winning this one over the Bengals and let's move on to the other AFC matchup Jacksonville and Kansas City who do you have winning that game I mean 
Okay, okay, okay. I, I have to stop leaning to the underdogs here because I need to slap, snap a little bit back to reality. While the Jags have come so far, and they've looked actually really impressive with Trevor Lawrence just kind of taking over this team and being the leader, there's just no chance. There's no chance that they beat the Chiefs. I think that they'll make this game competitive, though. I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. However, um, the Chiefs kind of have leveled themselves, in my opinion, as to being the favorites to come out on top in the AFC. But at the same time, they they can struggle. They can struggle at times, too. And so it'll come down to how this defense for the Jaguars affect the Chiefs. But for now, there's just too many weapons on the Chiefs' side for them to lose this game I feel like so I'm gonna take the Chiefs I think the Chiefs are gonna I think the Chiefs are gonna win as well but hey I saw a stat it said Trevor Lawrence never lost a Saturday game in his life and Ooh. last week did prove that correct too so if you want to go with the bets and the odd makers you know you could always cho- you could always choose the undefeated man Trevor Lawrence against Kansas City but I mean in reality in reality I agree with you Kansas City Big step I think I see in this team is not on the offensive side, but how well their defense has played. I think their defense is one of the best in the entire league. It's been very underslept on. And what I've seen in the regular season, they're able to get stops when they need to, and their front seven is looking spectacular along with their secondary. So because of that, I do think Kansas City should win this game. Let's move on to the NFC. Divisional matchup here, the Giants and the Eagles. Who do you have winning that game? That's going to be a battle for sure. And I don't know if I'm riding the Giants too much when I say this. However, I think that the Eagles are frauds. And this is just like my respectable opinion. Like, obviously, there's going to be people who disagree. Of course, they had such a successful regular season. However, it's playoff time and it's single elimination game. Um, This is going to be tough. Uh, The Eagles, while they have so many options, you're not going to be able to double Justin Jefferson like you did in the prior week. Um, you're, they, because because of the fact that they have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, both who are very very reliable for J- Jalen Hurts to throw to, and so you're gonna have to play. In my opinion, I think you're gonna have to dominate with zone. And if they can just find a lot of success in that way, they just need to be on their stuff, executing like they did in the previous matchup. I think that it's possible for them to come out on top, but they have to play a perfect game in which they don't turn the ball over. And they minimize the amount of mistakes that they make on the offensive front, whether it's just capitalizing when you're in the red zone or just making the most out of third and short scenarios as well. You don't want to just get stuck on the field when you have a potential to make a long drive down the field. So I I, I, I know this is going to upset some people too, but I, I'm riding the Giants for this one. I'm going to disagree, bro. I don't think the Giants have any chance against the Eagles, especially the Eagles one week off. Jalen Hurts gets an extra week of rest. They're playing at home in Philadelphia. A very tough environment to play in, actually. Very loud in there. And Philadelphia, all right, let's look there between them and the Vikings. Philadelphia has a great offense. Um, there's really no one you could really single on the Philadelphia Eagles. I guess for the Vikings, you could single Justin Jefferson. And when that happens, you know, yes, TJ Hawkins had a great game. But besides those two, everyone had an okay game. The Eagles, however... I think there's too many options you have to cover, and it's not going to be enough for the Giants. The Eagles have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, one of the best one-two wide receivers in the entire NFL. You have Dallas Goddard, a very reliable tight end, and that's just the receiving core. Their offense is mainly the run. You have Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, two really great 
you know, running options. Miles Sanders, an all-pro running back. Jalen Hurts, an MVP candidate, one of the great rushers in the entire NFL. So you have so many different options you have to cover. And for me, as the Giants defensive coordinator, I just don't think there's enough, you know, star talent on the Giants defense to cover every single one of those options. Because we really know Philadelphia is going to run the ball down New York Giants' throats. But also, Jalen Hurts has become one of, not the best passers in the NFL, but he's been improving in the passing side as well and now you have someone like aj brown to really help him out in the receiving core yeah it's really hard for this giants defense to stop philadelphia let alone philadelphia's defense i don't even want to talk about that like that's one of the best defenses in the entire nfl compared to the vikings who's been one of the worst defenses in the entire nfl daniel jones has to play a philadelphia defense who's at home who's been healthy they have a really great secondary and a really great front seven that could stop saquon so for me i don't really see a chance where i see the giants winning this game yeah, um, I did want to comment on something though. I I feel like the the way this game goes, like this is gonna be a far fetched prediction, but the way I think that this is gonna go is that Jalen Hurts is gonna prove that he's not ready to be the guy for the Eagles at least not this season. I think that this is such an impressive season from them, but being in the playoff environment is completely different, and he. He did that, but he got eliminated first round last year. So I, I don't count that as enough playoff experience to say that you you gain a lot of knowledge from being in that scenario and you're more comfortable. I think you need to get a win first. And this first round bye, while it's had them rest, they haven't kept up to the same momentum that the Giants have, especially coming off of a win like that. The, Gi- the Giants now see themselves as able to be victorious versus anyone. And... In that sense, I think that this is going to be a dogfight. Um, Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts are really comparable when you think about how they can do damage in the run game, I feel like. But it'll come down to who has who finds more success within the wide receivers. And the reason I'm taking the Giants in this regard is that I think that Jalen Hurts is going to just not be able to find the comfortability that he has found in the regular season going against this Giants defense. And... This is a Giants defense that struggled at times, but with that front front line facing off against the O-line for the Eagles, it's going to be tough to keep them in front of you and not get them to not allow them to the quarterback. And so, with that being said, especially um I think that it's going to be a close game no matter what, but I I think that I'm going to say the Giants just because I can see an outcome in which they come out on top. The Eagles got one of the best O-lines in the entire NFL, however, and even though, yes, Jalen Hurts lost to Tampa Bay last year in the wildcard round, I believe that alone, that experience of him failing that bad and in that playoff scenario really changed how he played in the regular season. Yeah, I know it's only one playoff game. Yeah, I guess it's not really that much playoff experience, but... I really do believe what he took from that game in that wild card loss to the Buccaneers really transformed his game in the regular season this year. And it's been shown he's been ready. He's been playing phenomenally well in this regular season. I duly believe, I, I actually do believe it was because of that wild card game, how he performed so bad. He really transformed him in the offseason, played super well in this regular season. And I do believe he's actually ready for the playoffs this time around. Let's move on to the last game, though. Cowboys and San Francisco, a really great one here. But who do you have winning this game? Now listen, I I, I kind of want to say that the Cowboys have a lot more experience being together as a group compared to the Niners who've gone through three different quarterbacks, let alone this season. However, on the other side of things, there's just so many talented players, both on the defense and the offense for the 49ers. I really think that this is maybe one of the most talented groups 
on both sides that I've seen in a long time. Like, I would not be surprised. Like, comparing this to... I, I don't even know what, who to compare it to, but look at their core. Like, their running back core alone, you have Christian McCaffrey, who's arguably when healthy and all pro, just 100%. Elijah Mitchell, who really performed for them last year, and he's a good back. He was a good when he was starting, too, but... Now being a secondary back, he's he thrives for them. And so seeing their options as well with Kittle and Ayuk and Debo, it's really endless, especially on the offensive front. And to show that they're also talented on the defensive side with Fred Warner, with the likes of Fred Warner, Tyler Hufanga, along with the, the, the dog himself, Nick Bosa. I mean, this team is ready. And I, I don't think that there's a team yet that I can say gives me more... Um, it just makes me think that they can win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say this, win the Super Bowl more than the 49ers. So I'm going to take the 49ers in this game. And I'm, I think I'm going to ride them out to the end, to be honest. This is a tough one for me. I do think this is a battle of the defenses. And it's really hard for me to choose a team. You have Brock Purdy, a rookie. You know, He hasn't really had a bad game. But I just feel like this Cowboys defense is really going to make it hard on him. But at the same time, the same thing could be said about this San Francisco defense to Dak Prescott, who's an experienced quarterback, but at times has his struggles with interceptions and ball security. So for me, it's a tough decision. I generally don't know. But if I have to trust my gut instinct, I think an upset is waiting to happen. And I might have to write the Cowboys for this one. Now, it's, it's really hard, right? Because McCaffrey has been elite, but... I feel like this is a game where, in my gut feeling, McCaffrey isn't going to have the game that he has been having the past couple of weeks in the NFL. I feel like McCaffrey's really going to get stopped by this Cowboys front seven, and that pass rush for the Cowboys is really going to get to Brock Purdy. And as a rookie, you know, he's been playing great. You know, this San Francisco's offense is catered toward him. It makes everything easy on the offense. But with the pass rush, it's really going to make him uncomfortable. And I really do feel like his rookie mistakes are going to come out, and the Cowboys are going to take advantage of it. No, I feel like this game is going to be under... I don't think any team's going to score over 20, I think, in this game. It's really going to be a really defensive slugfest. And it's going to come down to the kickers. And I don't know, man. Brett Maher in that Buccaneers <laughs> game had four missed extra points. So if you want to go with that, you could go with San Francisco getting the field goals. But I think Maher will have a comeback game. Like, four missed extra points. Never seen in the NFL ever. I think that's a fluke. He's been pretty good in the regular season I would say so I think he's going to have a comeback game against the San Francisco 49ers I do think the um, Cowboys though are going to squeak it out yeah uh, really quickly to end this off I wanted to mention that like I, I see your point in that they can limit Christian McCaffrey but this is not Christian McCaffrey playing on the Panthers you can't divert all of your defensive focus to him or else you're going to let the other others feast and I feel like it's a matter of time, like, in the game that we're going to see them. They're, they may begin to limit um, Christian McCaffrey compared to his um, sizable amount of contributions throughout a good chunk of their games this year. However, if they start to do that, they're probably going to just work around that, try and find other options downfield, and then they're going to re divert their offensive focus to involving Christian McCaffrey as well. I just see too many off offensive just juggernauts for them to not come out on top of this. I, I see what you mean, but at the same time, these defenses are comparable, but I feel like the differences in their offenses. While Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott were fantastic throughout the regular season, I really didn't hear much from them in the playoffs. 
and so, or the, the the first game of the playoffs, and so it'll be a struggle. I feel like keeping up with the offense. I I, I actually disagree with you. While these star-studded defenses may limit points, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair as well. And in a sense where <laughs> the defenses also will contribute scoring um, points as well. And I think that this is going to be a dogfight, but it's really impossible to tell. But I don't know. I, something makes me think that the 49ers will come out on top because of just how talented they are. For sure. I mean, we'll see when uh, Sunday rolls around. A very great game indeed. But that's all we have for today and for more episodes. Check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm House of Tune Love with K Motembit, and we'll see you next time.